Hi, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to Episode 4 of the Deep South Dharma Podcast. Later in this episode, we're going to hear a Dharma talk called The Best of Love, where I contemplate some of the Buddhist teachings on equanimity. And then you'll have the option of using one version of an equanimity meditation recorded here. I was reminded of this topic this week because I got to be present for the taping of the Americana Music Association Award Ceremony at the Ryman in Nashville, Tennessee. All throughout that beautiful listening room, artists and their songs were celebrating and giving voice to all of the vicissitudes of our human experience. Gain and loss, praise and blame, happiness and sorrow, fame and infamy. Mindfulness allows us to be aware of it all Equanimity allows us to hold it all, without identifying ourselves with any of it. Before we hear that talk, though, I want to take a moment to celebrate the beginning of our weekly Oxford practice group this past weekend. We meditated together, got to know each other a little better, and each person shared a bit of their own perspective on our vision for a diverse and welcoming community where we enjoy meditation practice, Dharma study, and community engagement. We meet in the chapel of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Oxford on Saturdays at 10 a.m. And there is no cost to join us. For address and directions, go to our website at deepsouthdharma.org. No matter where you live, you're invited to join our Zoom group on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Central. You can find the link at deepsouthdharma.org under the photo that highlights Dharma Contemplation Online. You're welcome to join us even if you would just want to sit in. For now, enjoy the best of love. Folks who maybe um, saw the email, I can't remember if I put a title to it, but in the topic I talked about, um, I'm calling it the best of love. And um, and I think I talked a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago about this book of Ajahn Jai Saro's that I'm studying on love. And um, um, I think we talked we've talked some about aspects of uh, loving kindness as sort of um, a practice that can help us increase our enjoyment of love and sort of mitigate some of its suffering um, that comes with it. And this week, though, I wanted to focus on another heart quality that heart quality of equanimity um, from a couple of from a couple of places uh, have some material, but. I really, um, as, as, as one of the Brahma Viharas, as one of these sort of basic, uh, basic and transcendent uh, heart qualities that we can cultivate, it really is the one that, that brings in both the, uh, the caring and compassion that wants good things to continue, that wants you know, health and happiness and all of that, 
along with um, the wisdom of that things don't always go the way we want. Um, you know, that really includes both aspects. And so developing that um, practice uh, sort of shores up um, and, and helps to helps buffer a little bit um, those aspects of, uh, of love that can cause us pain. So uh, things such as attachment or jealousy or um, when, you know, some of the, the things that, that we take to be a part of love really are defilements of love, right? So jealousy, worry, that sort of thing, um, even though we sort of, uh, sometimes in our culture, we even take them to be a proof of love, you know, like that worry is somehow a proof of love or, um, and, or jealousy is somehow a proof of love. But actually those are sort of flies in the ointment, so to speak, that, um, that definitely often come, come with in our culture. But part of what, uh, part of this purification process we undergo as a part of practice is to be able to, um, to let go of what's not necessary. So that even though there's going to be some unavoidable pain in our embodied existence, there, we're not, we're at least not adding. You know, we can just deal with the first arrow instead of adding the second arrow. Um, and I want to, um, there's just a couple of things I want to read and then I want us to do some practice together. I, I will say, to me, when we do equanimity practice as a Brahma Vihara practice, I like to work with, I think of them, and some of you have heard me say this before, but I think of them almost like at both the x-axis and the z-axis. So there's this sense of like being able to, to regain balance um, uh, fairly quickly in the face of the eight worldly winds in our own lives. And then there's also the ability to keep our balance, to be present for those we care about, but to keep our balance with whatever roller coaster they may be on. Um, and so I, I really like to think of sort of both of those directions. Um, but so two things I want to share with us. So from Ajahn Jayasaro, he says, reflecting on the fragility of life and impermanence makes our love more intelligent and gives it the protection of wisdom. Dhamma practitioners reflect on separation and death every day in order to train the mind to accept the undesirable truths that we find difficulty in accepting. Without complacency, we need to do this consistently and for a long while, not just occasionally. So this is reflecting on separation and death. If we do so, then when someone close to us or someone we love, um, when someone dies, even if it's sudden or someone we're very close to, the very first thought in our mind will be that all sankara truly are impermanent and how correctly the Buddha taught us. For spiritual practitioners, the sorrow that occurs is tempered by the firm right understanding of the way things are. So this is one aspect. Um, and it's interesting because I'm, I'm, I feel, I don't know that I've experienced quite that yet. And I, well, I have, it's been a lot of years since anybody close, really close to me died. 
but I have had some things um, as a result of uh, this reflection. I have had things occur, whether it was uh, a few years ago, some changes at work, and then also seeing uh, one of my children struggle with something that I really was able to just go, oh, you know, that's like, I, I really could feel it. Like the, the uh, I could feel that squeeze of the heart, like, oh, I hate that for them. But I also really did have this sense of um, support from knowing like, yeah, I mean, that there's no, that's, they just gotta go through it. Um, and there wasn't this delusion that, you know, somehow I'm supposed to be preventing things from happening, you know, to anybody else or that kind of thing. Um, now this uh, section, and this is um, a reading from the Angatara Nikaya. Uh, this is out of a book called Older and Wiser. It's a, um, an anthology of readings on classical Buddhist teachings on aging, sickness, and death um, that came, uh, actually a friend brought it to me from the, the INS um, bookstore up there. Just It's a fairly short sutta, and then um, I just want to mention one person's reflection about it. The worldly winds. It is among misfortunes that one's steadfastness is to be known, and this only after a long time, not casually, by one who is attentive, not by one who is inattentive, and by one who is wise, not by one who is unwise. Here, a certain person being beset by the loss of a relative, or being beset by the loss of wealth, or being beset by the loss of health, would reflect thus. That's the way it is for one living in the world. That's the way it is for one who has taken on becoming a self. When one is living in the world, when one has taken on becoming a self, eight worldly winds turn along with the world, and the world turns along with eight worldly things. Gain and loss, fame and infamy, praise and blame, pleasure and pain. Being beset by the loss of a relative or being beset by the loss of wealth or the loss of health, one does not grieve, one does not get worn out, one does not lament, one does not clamor, beating one's breast, one does not fall into despair. Um, and all three of these, um, uh, so it's Musong, uh, Gloria Ambrosia, and Andrew Alinsky, all, I will share from all three of, of them, but all three of these com commentators do mention that, um, that none of this means that the Buddha was asking us not to have feelings about things. Um, in fact, there was a, a lovely story I ran across about um, um, his encouragement to a householder who, um, who was ill, but thought he was dying or was everyone thought he was dying, and how he was fretting about his wife, and his wife was sort of doing this uh, uh, sort of, you know, strong Dhamma teaching about, you know, not allowing himself to fret over that, you know, over his concern for her and all of this, and then the guy's miraculously cured or whatever. But the Buddha was saying, you know, boy, you're lucky to have a wife that, you know, <laughs> instructs you in the Dharma or something. You know the but but just sort of that that understanding that 
that are that there's no um, it's not that there's anything we're not supposed to feel or it's not that there's any shame in these feelings that it but that when we take on becoming a self we are going to experience some of these things um, and I loved this lady's um, sharing here she said reading this through the selection I immediately recalled an incident a number of years ago when I was living in Raleigh. A neighbor asked me to come down to her apartment. She was very sad and upset. I can't recall the details, but I remember that I did what people often do in such situations. I tried to problem solve, tried to fix the conditions, tried to find a way to reframe it or find a way out. I wanted to offer her something useful to make her feel better. After a number of false attempts, I could see that while there are certainly times that these kinds of offerings bring comfort, this time they offered little relief. The exasperation of the moment finally overcame me, and I just threw up my hands and said, I don't know about this crazy life. If it isn't one thing, it's another. We have a few moments of happiness, then we're entrenched in pain. Now we're up, now we're down. One day everybody likes us, the next day we're eating worms. That seems to be what's going on here, and I don't know what to do, <laughs> what to say to make you feel any better about it. My neighbor stopped mid-sob and burst out laughing. We were both overcome by what was, to this day, one of the best valley laughs we've ever had. We laughed so long and hard we couldn't catch our breath. We had touched the truth of what it's like to get caught up in the worldly winds, and for a moment we broke the pattern. To this day, that moment ranks among one of the most real and pre present moments of my life. Um, so with this um, practice, one of the aspects, and a couple of you have done this practice with me before, but one of the aspects of this practice is not only the wisdom of, you know, reminding ourselves, right? The, we have the five reflections does a good job of reminding you know, us day after day. This particular equanimity practice I like because it not only has the aspect of reminding us that these worldly winds are, are just a, a part of it, a part of living here, um, but it also gives us the opportunity to practice taking an attitude of sort of being our own best friend as we're facing them. Um, sort of having a sense of being on our own side. And, and I don't mean against anybody else, but I just mean um, being on our own side in the sense of, I wanna be on my own side so much that I don't wanna suffer more than is absolutely necessary with these worldly winds. Knowing that there's some degree of stress, discomfort, grief, pain that is unavoidable. Um, I just want to be so much on my own side that I don't cause myself any more than is absolutely necessary. Um, and in doing that, that definitely is um, sort of a very uh, almost tangible sense of, of love for one's own experience. Um, and to be able to um, share that with others, whether actually sharing it as a teaching or just sharing it by uh, being that balanced in our close relationships. Um, those are also uh, uh, moments and, and instances of 
uh, sort of a strong, bright, uh, clear loving that is really useful to people. So, so for this uh, next bit of time, we're going to undertake that practice um, or a version of equanimity practice. And now, if you like, you can join me in a period of equanimity meditation. This is a meditation that will have some repetitive use of phrases, partly for the concentration benefits, partly for the cultivation benefits, and you may find that there is some purification benefit. Now, what I mean by that is that you may find that you have some waves of emotion that are released as you work with this. This segment is not for listening while driving. Please allow yourself to settle into a posture that allows your muscles to release all the work to the skeleton, the chair, and that your skeleton is an extension of the chair or the cushion or the floor, and that your muscles are just supported by all of that. For the moment, park every concern outside of the room or the building you're in. And if you're outside, go into your inner room without any of that extra baggage, any extra concern. I'll give you a moment to get settled. allowing your attention to rest wherever it is that you can most intuitively connect with the breath in the trunk of the body, whether upper chest or belly, allowing yourself to be aware of one breath at a time without making it artificial in any way. We're letting the body metabolize its own activity to do what it needs to do in its own way. So some breaths will be longer, some shorter, some ragged or smooth. Maintaining awareness of the breath, shift your awareness forward in the body so that you're aware of the skin in front, cheeks, neck, chest, belly, right at the surface of the skin where you have your immediate emotional experience. It's true, older emotion will sometimes bubble to the surface when we're paying attention, um, and still we are registering that in the present moment when that happens. Taking a moment to see the body in action watching it process its reactions to experience. 
At times the skin feels warm or cool, busy or calm. Sometimes muscles just under the skin feel constricted or relaxed. Continue to be aware of the body's process here in front as you hear the following phrases. May I remember that my well-being depends on my actions, not my wishes. May I remember that my well-being depends on my actions, not my wishes. May I be willing to take those actions that lead to well-being. May I be a good friend to myself, being present to my own experience, whether I face gain or loss, praise or blame, pleasure or pain, feeling lots of support or a lack of support. May I remember my well-being depends upon my actions, not these changing winds. So as different thoughts, memories, even physical experiences occur, just allow them to sort of bubble up and out. Try not to follow them anywhere, staying with the bodily experience, the skin in front of the body, sort of this whole heart-centric area from the face to the belly. May I remember that my well-being depends on my actions. May I be willing to take those actions that lead to well-being. By staying present to my own experience, may I be a good friend to myself. May I be a good friend to myself, whether I face gain or loss, praise or blame, pleasure or pain, feeling lots of support or a lack of support. My well-being depends upon my actions not these winds of change.
Now, if you wish, you can pause this recording here and continue to work with these phrases for another five, 10 minutes, however long you like. Or if you're ready to work along the z-axis of equanimity that I spoke of in the talk, take a moment to refresh your awareness of the front of the body, the skin of the cheeks, the neck and chest, the belly, And while aware of the front of the body, allow yourself to bring to mind a loved one with whom you tend to lose your balance. Maybe you have a tendency to ride the waves of their experience, or you have a tendency to attach your sense of well-being to their moods. Whatever it is, if you notice a great deal of reactivity just in bringing that person to mind, take a moment now to let the reactivity settle a bit. This is your time and your work. Your reactivity is in you. So in your mind's eye, let them sit across from you, whether a few inches away or a couple of feet away, whatever you need, and taking time to regain your balance. And even as you picture that loved one, really allowing yourself to feel your breath in your own body, to feel the support of your skeleton, of this environment. So re-establishing that sense of ballast. And once again, mindful of the front of your body, notice the effects of speaking these statements internally to yourself and your loved one. May I remember that my well-being depends upon my actions, not my wishes. May I remember that my well-being depends upon my actions, not your response to me. May I remember that your well-being depends upon your actions, not my wishes for you. May I be willing to be a good friend to myself in taking actions that lead to my well-being, whether I find them convenient or not.
I hope you too will be a good friend to yourself in taking action that leads to your well-being, however you see fit, whether I find that convenient for me or not. I am willing to be present to you knowing I cannot do your work for you. Although I might wish for you freedom from struggle, I would not rob you of the opportunity to face your own struggles. I would not rob you of the gifts of learning to face your own winds of change. If I see you struggling to be present to your own experience, I am present to face the pain that I feel in your absence. May I be a good friend to us both in all these winds of change. And sometimes people want me to repeat this part. If I see you struggling to be present to your own experience, I don't try to jump into your experience to address that for you. If I see you struggling to be present to your own experience, I remain present to face the pain that I feel in your absence. May I be a good friend to us both in all these winds of change. Now, letting your loved one go with a hug or a wave or a handshake, whatever feels most authentic, congruent for that relationship. Thanking them for their help to you in growing yourself today. In cultivating your freedom today. And once again, refreshing your attention in that heart-centered area at the front of the body. Once again, cultivating balance along that x-axis with the initial statements we made or something similar. 
May I remember that my well-being depends upon my actions, not my wishes. May I be willing to take those actions that lead to well-being. By being present to my own experience, may I be a good friend to myself. When I face gain or loss, praise or blame, pleasure or pain, a sense of support or of lack of support, may I be a good friend to myself in all of this. May I remember that my well-being depends on my actions not on the circumstances that constantly change. Just noticing what you notice in the body, particularly along the front of the body. And then without completely leaving the experience of the heart, just backing off of the intensity a little bit, shifting your attention a couple of inches backward so that you are a bit more to center. Perhaps once again, you're more in touch with your skin covering your entire body, the pressure of the seat underneath you, the temperature of the room and the sounds, though all of these will have changed since you began this practice. Giving yourself these last couple of minutes to just be aware of the breath entering and leaving the body to allow for sort of a cool down time in this heart work. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma Podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, 
Feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.